Well, good morning and welcome. Glad you guys are here with us this morning, whether you're joining us in the room or online. I want to say uh, welcome. And, uh, you know, something that uh, I just want to recognize again is thank you to those of you who served. Uh, and we just so appreciate you on this Veterans Day weekend. And I, as I read the news this morning and as I see what's happening around our world, I just think, man, I am thankful that on a morning like this, we can come and we can gather uh, together. And I actually think it would be good for us as a church body to take a moment in prayer of just the conflict that is happening around our world as we look at what is happening in Israel and uh, in Sudan and in Ukraine and Russia, all these different you know, conflicts that are happening. And as we look at that as believers, it, it hurts our hearts, you know? I, I kind of even had this thought this morning, like, God, I, I'm a preacher, right? I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to know what to pray for. And I just kept thinking of Romans 8, 28, that sometimes the problems that we face, uh, the Holy Spirit just has to, with, without words, just groan on our behalf. And, you know, we, I think it's important that as a church, we acknowledge what's happening in our world and we ask God to intervene and to bring peace. So I would ask y'all to pray with me right now as we do that. Lord, um, you know, I'm thankful that we can come and we can gather this morning, but because of uh, people who have, you know, served in our military, we have the freedom and the right, and you've protected that to gather and to worship you. God, I pray for the conflict in Israel. I pray for those in Palestine that this, just this conflict where people have often been drawn into it who weren't a part. Uh, I pray for humanitarian aid. I pray for extinguishing the evil that has killed so many innocent people. And uh, I, I do pray for that, Lord. I pray for just your peace and that ultimately the gospel would spread. We know that is the message of hope that our world and our country needs, Lord. It's in your name we pray, uh, amen. I hope as Jared was talking, we do look forward to uh, our Weller holiday party as we get to go and we get to be a blessing to those in our community. I hope that you'll um, be a part of that as we look forward to it. Take a bag, fill it with food as we get to bless um, our community and those who are with us. Uh, I think that's just an awesome thing that we get to do as we love God, serve people, and reach the world. Well, my wife and I, uh, my wife's name is Emma. In 2018, we bought a house, okay? And this is the prime time to buy a house because this was pre-pandemic. The housing market was heating up, but it wasn't quite where people were just seeing something on Zillow or online and purchasing it. And so it was quite the process, you know? And it, it was a fun process, but at some point, you've seen a lot of houses, right? And I remember we went to this house and it was the right price range, it was the right location, and uh, on the pictures, you're like, wow, this is, like, this is a pretty house. I could see us living at a place like this. And so we went and we uh, went to the open house and we toured this house, and at first impressions, we're like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then I remember as we were walking and as we transitioned from one room to the kitchen, suddenly it felt like we were in Grandma's Mansion or Grandpa's Mansion at Silver Dollar City. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, you just felt... Um, on your feet, and I'm like, this is not right, okay? There is a hump in the floor, and I feel like I almost got vertigo from just stepping in there. And so immediately, my wife and I are like, well, we're gone, like, we're, we're not looking at this house anymore, because something was wrong with the foundation. It checked off all the other marks, but there was something wrong with the foundation. So I don't know a lot about uh, housing, I don't know a lot about houses, but I know enough to know that I'm out on a foundation issue. 
What we build upon is important, and we know that in terms of architecture and housing, but we also know that, spiritually speaking, what we build our lives upon matters so much. What you build your life upon matters so much. Jesus, in Luke chapter six, we're gonna be in Luke six, verses 46 through 49 today. Jesus knew this as well. And so in the midst of some of this teaching, where we're picking up here in Luke chapter six, Jesus' fame is spreading, he has healed people, multitudes are flocking towards him. People are coming and seeing, who is this Jesus? What is he doing? And in the midst of his, some of his teaching, Jesus gives these words that we're gonna read today in Luke six, verse 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke out against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Verse 49, but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who has built his house on a ground without foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. And the ruin of the house was great. Now, if you've been around church for a while or if you've read through scripture or maybe you went to a vacation Bible school when you were younger, you've heard this passage, right? But it is so important as we apply it to our lives. And as I was reading, this just stuck out to me of, man, this is a foundational truth, that if we can get this right, if we can get the foundation right, our lives will be better because of it, the lives of the people around us will be better because of it, and the world will be a better place because of it. We need more people who are committed to having a firm foundation. Now here's what Jesus says. He's kinda like asking these people. They're flocking to him. They're compelled by what he's doing. And what does he say to them? Why do you hear the words that I say and you don't do it? Right, verse 46, what did he say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? There's people that are coming to Jesus and they're saying the word Lord, Lord. They're recognizing, hey, we are a servant to you. You are a master, you are a teacher, you are someone with authority. And so people are coming to him and saying, hey, Lord, we're recognizing you as authority, and then they're not doing what he says to do. And that brings us to our first point, is outward expressions in our life in regard to our faith, outward expressions are not nearly as important as obedience is. Outward expressions are not nearly as important as obedience is. And this is what Jesus was getting to. He's saying, hey, you're honoring me with your lips, right? But your hearts aren't in the right place. We see Jesus say those same type of words elsewhere in the gospel. Their hearts weren't in the right place. They weren't ready to be obedient to Jesus. And as Jesus asked this question to the crowd in that time, we also must ask this question to ourselves, is are we doing what the Lord says? Outward expressions are not nearly as important as obedience. I'll give you this example, all right? I've got a picture of my two boys uh, here that you guys can see today, and this is my son, uh, Cash and August. August is the little one who looks like what in the world is happening right now? Because his brother Cash is 
He's something, all right? We love him. Uh, my oldest son, or older of the two boys, Cash, he, we love him to death. He's so winsome. Uh, he's, he can just win you over, uh, but he's also kind of ornery, okay? Uh, and so the other, yesterday morning, I actually was like, God, you gave me the perfect illustration for this. We're eating breakfast. My wife made some cinnamon rolls. It's like this sweet moment, you know? And Cash starts shaking on the chair. And I tell him, hey, Cash, Please stop that. You're gonna break the chair. I'm more worried he's gonna break the chair than fall out. But uh, I'm like, you're gonna break this chair if you do not stop that. And so he looks at me, and, okay, dad, I got you, yeah, yeah. And then what does he do? You all know, what does he do 20 seconds later? Is he starts shaking the chair again. So his outward expression was obedience, but that was not the posture of his heart. And that's a silly example as we look at my kids, but it's, this, it's true for uh, as we look at our spiritual lives as well. Y'all, yesterday we took our kids to uh, Hobby Lobby. I don't know why we did that, all right? Oh my, it, it looked as if Christmas and fall time had come together and a bomb had set off within this store. And what's amazing to me about Hobby Lobby, there's hundreds of people in there. Carts are full, but yet the shelves look as if no one has ever touched them. I don't know where they store it all. I don't know where they keep it. And uh, I looked at that, you know, and as we're walking through, there's people always stop and they're like, ah, it goes fast. And I'm like, does it? Because you can see we're struggling right now. Yeah, thank you. If y'all see me out in public with my family, just we're trying our best, all right? We don't get it right all the time, but we're trying our best. We're trying to teach our kids that obedience matters, right? Their heart posture matters. When we say don't touch that on the shelf, we really do mean do not touch that on the shelf because just because it's 50% off does not mean it's gonna be cheap at Hobby Lobby. Um, and we want our kids to be obedient, right? I want to be obedient to what Jesus has said. I want to hear his instruction and I wanna be obedient to it. If I'm gonna call him Lord, Lord, I want to bring obedience to the table. As we move on in verse 47, there's three things that I wanna point out here. It says this, it says, everyone who comes to me hears my words and does them. He's like, that's the person that's gonna be digging their house deep on a firm foundation. Comes to me, hears my word, and does it. It was the idea of coming to Jesus. There were many people who came to Jesus, who were intrigued by Jesus. In just a chapter or two later within the Gospel of Luke, we see Herod the Tetrarch, who was, acute, who was the one who was responsible for killing John the Baptist. He was what? He was intrigued by who Jesus was. We see elsewhere in the Gospels, the rich young ruler, what did he do? Is he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, how can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, go sell everything you have and follow me. He says the man went away sad. He had to, he came to Jesus though, right? All of us will come to Jesus and we must decide, what are we gonna do with Jesus? What are we gonna do with Jesus? How do we respond to him? And ultimately, our response should be, that we recognize, man, we're a sinful and broken person and we are in need of a savior. All of us, when we encounter Jesus, when we come to Jesus, we have to make a decision about how we will deal with who he is. And the right decision, the right response is to recognize our own sin and a need for a savior. Jesus says right here, everyone who comes to me and does what? Hears my words. There's this idea of instruction you know, that was the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus. He heard the instruction that was given, but he, didn't, he wasn't obedient to it. And then he says the third part is to be obedient, that we have to 
hear the word, but we not only not, not only hear the word, but we also do it. So there's this idea of we've come to Jesus. All of us must make a decision about how we will respond to who Jesus is. We have to hear the words that he gives us. We have to receive the instruction. And then ultimately, and this is where I think the rubber hits the road, especially in a place like the Midwest where people have heard about Jesus, is are you going to do what he says? Are you gonna put into practice what Jesus says? We have to receive this instruction. We have to be obedient to it. You know, in the book of James, which uh, we've been walking through this book on Tuesday nights with our young adults here at High Street, um, and it's just been an awesome time to just get in this book and to see, and the book of James is just full of practical wisdom. And James 1.22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That you can come and you can hear the word all day long, but until you put it into practice, you're just deceiving yourself on this faith journey. That we are to be hearers of the word, but not just hearers of the word, but doers also. But doers also. The way I would describe it is this, is we need daily instruction, but we also need daily obedience, right? We need daily instruction, I'll put it to you this way. As you go throughout your week this week, Pastor Eddie has said this uh, from the pulpit before, is something is discipling you or something is trying to disciple you. The, the shows you watch, the podcasts you listen to, the news that you consume, whatever it is, the people you interact with, or maybe it's just yourself, your thoughts, your opinions, your decisions, something is discipling you. And you have to decide, every day we have to make this decision, whose voice is gonna be the loudest? Whose voice are we going to allow to be the loudest? Are we going to listen to the instruction of Jesus or God, or are we going to rely on ourselves? Are we gonna listen to the instruction of others and what the world says, or are we gonna listen to the instruction that is laid out in the truth of God's word? This is the truth right here that guides us We don't take the world and apply it to scripture, we take scripture and apply it to the world. It's the lens in which we make sense of our world and we shape our worldview through the lens of scripture. What are you listening to this week? What voice is going to be the loudest? We also need daily obedience. We don't just need daily instruction, but we need daily obedience as well. One of the verses that I kept thinking of while reading this and studying for it is Philippians 1, 6, says, I'm sure of this, that Jesus will, or the day of Christ Jesus, you will be brought to completion. Your faith will be brought to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you, he's gonna bring it to completion. So there's this idea here in Philippians 1, 6, that as God began a good work in you, it's gonna be brought to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. What does that tell us? It tells us, number one, that a good work has already started in us, a good work needs to continue in us, and ultimately we will be complete when Christ returns. But here's the deal, if you're alive and you're breathing, which you're in here today, then we have something that we need to grow in in terms of our obedience. This is what sanctification is. This is what growing in holiness is. This is what becoming more like Christ looks like. That all of us have a need to grow in obedience. Not only do we need to hear the instruction, but we also need to grow in obedience as well. We need daily instruction, and we also need daily obedience. What do you need to grow in obedience in this week? I was thinking through some things, and, and maybe 
you've been harsh with your words lately. And we know that in scripture, we are commanded and told that we are to share words that build others up and that are for the good of others. So maybe you need to take a step back and say, hey, are my words aligning with what God's word says? Am I building other people up or am I tearing them down? As Jared mentioned and Kyle talked about earlier, uh, tithing and giving, maybe you're saying, hey, I'll come and I'll gather, I'll be a part of the church, but I'm not going to be obedient. I don't trust you, God, fully with my finances. I'm gonna hear your word, I'm gonna receive that, but I'm not gonna truly trust you with my finances. I'm not gonna tithe and give, and I'm not gonna look for opportunities to be generous. And are you being obedient in that, or are you just hearing it? Perhaps some of you in here, you're anxious today. You're worried about many things. I, I, I mean, I can relate to that, I can get that. But what does scripture tell us to do? It tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, to cast all our anxieties on God why? Because he cares for us. It's not enough to just know the instruction, but we actually have to take it and put it into practice. You know, I think of one that's been convicting for me, and I think it's Psalm 103, it talks about setting no worthless things or no evil things before your eyes. And I often wonder, man, like how much am I consuming on my phone through social media or, or Facebook or the shows that I'm watching or just the things that I'm consuming, how much is that is just worthless? And am I, for the price of entertainment, willing to give that up so that my mind can be set on the things of God? I don't wanna just hear that, I wanna put it into practice in my life as well. I think about this and I think about shame. I'll never forget one day when I was teaching, I worked with a guy and as I kind of shared about the gospel with him and what I believed in and told him about my involvement in my church and he said, man, if I ever walked into that place, the walls would fall down. And I've heard people say that since then in sayings like that. And my heart breaks because I'm like, they don't understand Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in this is that why we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Some of you are in this room and you're carrying around shame and guilt and burdens from the past and God is saying, hey, you can come and lay that at my feet and you can be forgiven. And you might hear that instruction and maybe you've heard that before, but are you actually believing God for it? I'm with you there. Sometimes it's the hardest person to show grace towards is yourself because you know your past, you know your evil deeds, you know the things that you've done. But God's word says if you confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's not just the instruction, but he says when we confess and we do that, when we're obedient to that, confessing our sins and coming to us, that it's not just like, hey, maybe I'll cleanse you and clear you and make you righteous. He promises it, and he says it in his word. See, because I don't want to have a faith that is built upon just hearing the word but not actually doing it. I want to be a hearer of the word but a doer also. And so here's my challenge for you. A lot of this is not new information, right? A lot of this is not uh, something new to you, but what my challenge would be is this, is you can't ever graduate from simple obedience. You can't ever graduate from simple obedience. So here's my challenge. How are you gonna hear the word? Hear the word, you gotta get into the word. 
You fall into one of these categories, probably if you're in here. You're either not reading scripture at all throughout the week. You're either reading, and maybe it's like kind of a habit, a semi-habit, or for some of you, this is a daily habit that you engage in. Regardless of what camp you fall into, here's my encouragement to you. What if you read more than you were this next week? What if you read more scripture? What if you consumed more of God's word this week than you did last week? Maybe it's five minutes more. Maybe it's 10 minutes more. Maybe it's half an hour more. Maybe it's you read in the morning and then at night again. I don't know what it looks like for you, but all of us could increase the amount of instruction, the amount of truth we are placing into our lives. You're not gonna regret doing that. And the second thing that I want you to do this week is to ask God, I know there are areas where I need to grow in obedience. Every person in here, myself included, has an area in their life where you can grow in obedience this week. And more than likely, the Holy Spirit is already prompting you and showing you, and you know what needs to be grown upon in your area of obedience. So my challenge is this, is don't bypass that. If you're reading scripture this week, read more. Ask God to reveal you and show you what you need to be obedient in. Because we don't graduate from simple obedience. You know, verse 48, and we kind of breeze by it. I know we spent a lot of time in the first two verses. It says, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood rose and the stream broke out against it, that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Look for what's common in these two examples. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on a ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, it immediately fell and the ruin of that house was great. What's common? What do we see that's common within this passage? It's that the stream is coming, right? The storm is coming, the flood is coming. Regardless if you choose to hear God's word and do what it says, there will be trouble and trials in your life and everyone can agree on that that's in this room because y'all have faced it. You might be in the midst of a trial right now. So regardless of what you choose to do with God's word, the storm is coming, right? There will be trials in this life, there will be hard things that you deal with, there will be floods that can seem overwhelming and the choice is yours, is what are you going to build upon? What are you gonna build upon? And some of y'all have made a decision to follow Jesus a long time ago. You have a relationship with Jesus, but it never stops our seeking the Lord. You don't buy a house, right? My wife and I didn't buy our house and then just say, cool, we're good. I hope that it all turns out well. Like we have to take care of our house. We have to continue to invest in it. We have to continue to make upgrades and improvements and clean it and take care of it. In the same way our relationship with Jesus, don't miss it, is not to just get saved and to be done. The best part of walking with Jesus is after you have a relationship with him is that daily walk, continuing to lean into him, learning more about him, learning more about the character of God and asking him to shape your life and to build your life on the foundation. All of us can take steps towards obedience this next week. You know, every time I read this passage, you know, as I, as I kind of close here, I, I think of this psalm, or, or this song that, that was written, and this hymn that was written, and uh, many of y'all probably know it. It was actually written in the 1800s, and we still sing it today, some powerful words. It says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood 
and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Y'all know the next part? On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Now those words right there alone are beautiful, right? But they have a lot more meaning when you understand more about who wrote that hymn. And this hymn was written by a man named Edward Mote. He was born in Upper Thames Street in London in 1797, in 1797. And this is what he says, he said, I, as a child I spent my days on the street playing, I didn't even know that there was a God, right? I, I wasn't even, I never even thought about it. In his own words he says, so ignorant was I that I did not know there was a God. He goes on to pen these words speaking about his own story. He says, reborn in Tottenham Court Chapel under John Hyatt in 1813. He's talking about being spiritually reborn here. This is Edward Moe. He says, reborn in Tottenham Court Chapel under the preaching of John Hyatt in 1813. My parents having no fear of God, I went to a school where no Bible was allowed so that I was totally ignorant of the word of life when I entered the place of worship. But though I knew not the letter of the law, the Holy Ghost brought the spiritual contents of it into my conscience that morning. For two years, that dart was in my liver, right? He heard the instruction. He said, for two years, he equates it to a dart. The message that he heard from John Hyatt was like a dart in his liver till extracted by Calvary's blood under a sermon by Mr. Bennett of Birmingham, who was on a visit to London one good Friday morning. So after two years, Edward Mote turns his life over to Jesus. He says, the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And from that auspicious hour to the present, precious blood has been the solace of my mind. And I just help, can't help but picture this boy growing up in London who had no even recognition of God, but upon hearing, right, and receiving the instruction decided to become obedient to it. And he pinned words, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And hundreds of years later, we still know those words because the truth doesn't change. The same truth that Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter six, the foundation is unchanging. And all of us need to lean into the instruction and apply that obedience to our lives. You know, you've heard me talk about a relationship with Jesus a lot this morning. My favorite passage to describe this is Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you call on the name of the Lord and recognize him as Lord, meaning you're giving up authority of your life and giving it over to Jesus, and if you make him the Lord of your life, that is how you have a relationship with Christ. It's available to us all. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us and that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us, for you and for me. We don't deserve it, we couldn't earn it, but it's available and it's offered to us all. I wanna ask y'all to bow your heads with me. 
And I would ask everyone who's watching online, everyone who's in the room, I would ask you this question is, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you called him Lord, Lord, and meant it? And I would ask you, if that's you today, and you say, hey, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life, would you put your hand in the air so that we could pray with you? I wanna make Jesus the Lord of my life. I see those hands. I wanna make you Lord. Yes, I see those hands. I want you to be Lord of my life. And you can have forgiveness of your sins today. I want you to pray this prayer with me. There's nothing special about this prayer, but there's an importance in recognizing in humility our need for Jesus. I want you to pray with me. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've made mistakes in my life. But Jesus, I want you to be Lord. I choose today to follow you. I put my trust in you. Man, that's the best decision you could ever make. And we wanna celebrate with you. We're gonna have people down here up front ready to pray with you. I'll be up here ready to pray with you if you've made that decision. And the other thing I would challenge you with in here today is if you're a believer, where do you need to grow in obedience? Don't graduate from the foundational truths of our faith that we need to hear God's word and we need to do it.